You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. What is going on? Not too much, man. We're just, uh, it's been another season, you know. Another uh, NBA Finals is in the books. It was not among the most exciting NBA Finals, unfortunately, but some interesting things happened that we'll uh, get a chance to uh, talk about. Some history was made, or there may, may have reassessed some of our feelings on uh on the Warriors or on LeBron or on the Cavs. Uh, obviously, you know, the historic that, uh, as we talked about in a previous episode, historic that uh, teams have faced each other four times in a row in the finals. Mm-hmm. And of course, it never happened before. So, yeah, some good stuff there. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the most basketball-y <laughs> finals we've seen in recent vintage. And there's been obviously better series and better series between these two teams or whatever. But uh, it's, yeah, it's ripe for like, in like investigation or whatever we're going to do here of, of, of talking about it because there is a lot of stuff that came about from it. Maybe the basketball itself wasn't the best. Maybe it wasn't the most entertaining. Maybe were, you weren't glued to your TV every second. But there's a lot of stuff that now coming out of this we can talk about and sort of discuss and 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 and, and kind of in in some ways kind of globalize or now it's part of history. So let's you know look at it amongst other teams and other things that we're going to talk about. We're going to throw around a word here where the very people get scared. They get to, they shiver when you say this word, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to hit it. And we're going to face it dead on. We're going to go for it. Is it the D word? It's the, it's the D word. This is the D word. Yeah, not, not the D word that hopefully people are not thinking about. <laughs> yeah, we're getting racy but, here. You know, we need a, yeah. we need a little bit more <laughs> listenership. So let's get racy here. It's get, a little X rated season's over. Yeah. We're good to go. <laughs> we're going blue in the summer. You know, it's, <laughs> right, our new, exactly. uh, it's a new angle. Yes. Uh, so, Demarcus. What kind of history? Oh, Demarcus. Yes, <laughs> right, Demarcus. Demarcus Cousins is the missing yes. piece of the Cavaliers. That's where we're going. Absolutely. With, right? Yeah. Okay. If they had just gotten Demarcus Cousins, it would have been <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. I think we that's, all know that. that's that's what the D is. It's absolutely true. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what kind of history was made? Well, this is the first time that in any of the major professional sports in North America that two teams met for the championship four years in a row. Uh, first team that a team was swept in the NBA Finals since 2007. The Cavs were also the losing team in that instance, the first time LeBron went to the Finals. And, um, and yes, and as, as we mentioned, the uh, with LeBron in his eighth consecutive NBA Finals appearance, which is a record for any non-Celtic, uh, suffered the second NBA Finals sweep of his career. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Anything else notable in terms of uh, this is the first time this happened in, in terms of history? Yeah, I think I, the big parts of it, the history-wise, is obviously the, the, the you know, the team is facing each other four times in a row. I think the LeBron thing, as we mentioned as well. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess the first team to sweep is since 2007 is, is kind of, you know, interesting. And, and sweeps happen, obviously, in, in, in the World Series all the time and Stanley Cups and all that stuff all the time or whatever. But uh, it, it seems like it's more, it seems more infrequent these days. I feel like when I was growing up that it seemed to happen a little bit more and that might have just been my you know thoughts or me being a stupid kid or whatever uh but it has been a while and like we look at the nba i mean it's 2007 and we sort of think oh it's the cavaliers it was lebron that was a long time ago though. lebron's you know obviously playing for quite a while so it has been you know what 11 years since we've had a sweep in the nba finals so it's it's definitely a rarity right now or in this current nba uh structure but yeah i think just teams facing each other multiple times in a row and then the lebron thing which we'll talk about here in a little bit is 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 super significant going to the finals that many times in a row whether you win or lose them you know, we'll, we'll discuss that, of course, at length a little bit, but an accomplishment nonetheless, just to get there as many times as he got there. I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see that just this one player can sort of help teams get there. And we, we had some, you know, some pushback, uh, and, and I saw some pushback both on our, our, our Facebook page and our Twitter account, because there were times where we would say, oh, LeBron's gone to eight straight finals. And people were like, well, what about the teams he plays for? And it's like, all right, but like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I, we're not, you know, putting down the George Hills of the world or the, you know, James Joneses of the world. But, you know, LeBron is the factor that plays a huge role in, in whatever team he goes to making the NBA finals for the last eight years. I don't think that's that crazy of a hot take, but for some, some it was. Yeah, I understand, Richie. People might have strong feelings about, uh, you know, J.R. Smith or um, Tristan Thompson or, you know, some of the role players along the lines. You know, maybe Donis Haslam. Yeah, you know, Eric Dampier not getting season. his love for the right. first Heat team. So, you know, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so looking at the the D word, as we said, the dynasty word, that, that's that's the one. Oh, so okay, I get it. That, makes, that makes a lot yeah. more sense than the, the market. Yes. Okay, that, that, right. that, okay, I get where you're going now with that. Okay. Right. Yes, exactly. So, um, so, you know, I, I don't know exactly, we've, we've maybe danced around this topic before and history of, you know, what exactly a dynasty is or, or isn't. I don't know if, you know, we necessarily have ever, Clarified our thoughts completely about it. I don't know what your um, uh, what what you're feeling about a dynasty. For me, you know, it's I, I think that there's actually a list of NBA dynasties on Wikipedia, which I think is a you know reasonable start for that. Some of them I definitely agree with. Some of them I'm not 100 percent sure about, but that's that's kind of where I, I would uh, I, I would start with in terms of the dynasty definition. Yeah, I've always kind of I, I I've sort of wavered on it a little bit. I think when I was growing up a little bit more, and especially living with the the Chicago Bulls, obviously in Chicago, to me dynasty was X amount of titles in a row, championships, rings, that sort of stuff. And I've as I've grown a little bit, and and the team that really made me sort of change my thoughts on it, and I'm I'm, I'm curious where you stand on it, uh, is the San Antonio Spurs, and it's the I don't know how you really give a dynasty for the Spurs, I guess like 1999 to like last year or whatever. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? It's a, it's kind of been this ever thing maybe since when Tim Duncan retired, but even then they were still pretty great even after that. But, um, because they were a team that to me, no, they weren't winning the titles every single year. No, they weren't, you know, in the finals every single year. They weren't vying for the championship every single year, but they were a playoff contender every year. They were a, a title contender pretty much every year. Anytime the playoffs started, there was a chance that the Spurs could make it. And, and they won numerous championships in this sort of time period with the same relative core of players. So I sort of changed from them and said, okay, look, I used to define it as just X amount of consecutive rings or, you know, four rings in five years or whatever, sort of the dominance that we talk about. And there's something to be said for the Spurs and their, 
I guess, dominance over the course of time, which almost became boring at a point. It almost became, oh, the Spurs again. And it was like, but that's still, to me, I define them as a, as a dynasty. I define pretty much 1999 until, yeah, like I said, I don't know the exact time period that you want to use. Maybe when Duncan retires, that last um, title win over, over the Heat, however you want to sort of play it out or whatever. To me, that was a dynasty, even if it wasn't the strict definition of rings or whatever that a lot of people do. But I, I don't know. Where, where do you sort of stand on, on, on how to define a dynasty? Because that team really did change my thoughts on it completely. Yeah, I, I have a, I'll go on the, some thoughts on the Spurs in, in a moment, but I, I just wanted to give the list of, of uh, dynasties here, the Wikipedia ones, and, and see kind of where, and, and start from there, and then we'll build to that uh, Spurs question, because um, I think it's interesting. So this has the uh, Minneapolis Lakers from 49 to 54. You should really go back a year because of the NBL title as well to 48, but uh, I think we can all agree they are definitely a dynasty. You know, five titles in six years. I think that's that. That one's clear. Uh, three in a row. All they they check all the boxes there. Boston Celtics, obviously, fifty seven to sixty nine, eight championships, eleven out of thirteen years. Definitely, no question about it. Then we get to the Lakers from 80, 80 to ninety one, and we'll. Um, I think put a pin on those for a minute because I have some thoughts about that. Also, basically within that same time frame, the Celtics from 81 to 87. And then we get to the Bulls from 91 to 98. I think, again, definitely Dynasty. Uh, the Spurs from 99 to kind of wherever you want to say that 2014 was their last title. 2016 was when Duncan retired. You could even kind of go to um, maybe 2017 when they won, I think, 65 plus games. You know, but uh, so... They're obviously a contender for it. Whether what exact time period fits that is, I think, a question. Then we have the Lakers from 2000, 2004, three titles in a row. I think pretty comfortably a dynasty. The only question I would ever have would be longevity there. But I think, I don't know, I think three in a row pretty much gets you there no matter what. And then the Warriors of 2015 to now. I And I we're going to get to that, but I think that they're, you know, pretty much unquestionably a dynasty. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as far as that Spurs question, though, what did you think uh, as far as them? How do you define them? Because it wasn't, you know, a numerous titles in a row or whatever. It was a lot of titles and a lot of success sort of spread out over a long time period. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at like the 07 to the excuse me, the 03 to 07 window where they won uh, three titles in five years like that, I think definitely fits like the typical definition of dynasty of like multiple titles over like a short period of time like i think you win three in five years i, I don't know I, I think that definitely fits the traditional term of dynasty do you agree with that uh, yeah i would yeah for sure okay yeah um so then i looking at like the 99 to 2014 window but that's that's five titles in 16 years and that's still impressive, but on its face, I wouldn't consider it like strictly a dynasty, but I think it's like a different phenomenon outside of a dynasty. And you consider the fact that, as you talked about, pretty much every year they were contending for championships and, um, you know, they were like among the elite teams. I mean, they had all those you know 50 plus win seasons and everything. I mean, the their, you know, run of 20 years of, you know, excellent seasons is, you know, pretty much unprecedented in sports history. No one's really had a, you know, sustaining, you know, excellent to great, you know, um, run like they have had during that time, even though obviously, you know, only five championships in 16 years. So 
uh, yeah, I, I think it's almost like a, I don't even know if we have a word for it, but I, I think it's something else outside of a dynasty. But if you look in that like that oh three to oh seven, I think that definitely fits the you know dynasty. But what what they did outside of that, I think, is even more impressive than a traditional dynasty. Yeah, for sure. No, that, that's that's a kind of a good way to put it. And another team too that um, that I know we, we brought up a little bit there is the Lakers, the two thousand to two thousand four Lakers. So recent history, I think these are interesting ones because I, I think like some of the other ones, like obviously the Celtics in the in the fifties and sixties, like that's on question. You know, that's good. of course the, the very literal definition of a dynasty what they did there but um I, i'm curious about those that lakers team so that's the kobe shack lakers of course uh, they win their first title in 2000 they, they go back to back in 2001 they go for a three-peat in 2002 and then by 2003 2004 it kind of all falls apart they're still in the mix they're still there they're still a contending team but you know at that point then it's over by that time shack's out uh shack kobe don't get along all that sort of stuff fills out you know all, all this sort of turmoil that goes on uh in that time period but you have four years of of you know, three titles really essentially, or if you want to do three and five years, however you want to sort of stretch the years, but they get a three-peat in there. I think, would you, in your mind, despite the fact that it only lasted maybe four or five years tops, it, does a three-peat, no matter what, count for a dynasty in a sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I would think so. I mean, obviously that that fourth finals appearance, you know, even though they lost that last one in 04, I think that, that helps already. And I think, yeah, I, I think three in a row pretty much has to seal it I, mm-hmm. I i don't think that there's really any other i, I like i i just i can't see them not even being in there but you know if you compare like i mean if for some reason the warriors broke up you know this this offseason obviously is not going to happen but you know maybe after another year or two maybe someone gets unhappy they demand a trade and they break up earlier than usual that that would be close to the same window that they've had you know, right now three and four years so that would be you know five or six years or whatever so it's, it's not you know even though it seems pretty short especially compared to a lot of the teams that we're talking about here i i, I think it's long enough that it was it was sustaining enough it was dominant enough i i think it it definitely fits, but it is a little bit of an oddball in term, you know, compared to the kind of the rest of them. Yeah, what's actually interesting is uh, today, as, as we're recording this, is like the 26th anniversary of the last time the NBA and NBC signed off, the the, the final time they signed off. And it's it's really interesting because that's when they beat the Nets. So the Lakers had just beat the Nets in the in the NBA Finals. And the talk around the Lakers is so, you know what I mean? Like, we talk about this all the time where it's like, the Warriors are ruining the NBA. Like, now it's inevitable or whatever. Bob Costas starts the broadcast by saying the Lakers win another championship and we have to wonder if it will ever end. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, because at the time it's like, well, shit, this team just won three in a row. The Nets were no contest whatsoever for them. They were just sleepwalking. Like, Shaq was literally sleeping during games and, and, and still, you know, putting up 25, 30 points or whatever. And and Costas has that remark of like, well, people are wondering if this is inevitable, if it's ever going to end, if the Lakers will just continue this dominance forever or whatever. And as we know, you know, looking and peering into the future, by next year they would, they would you know, have some issues and and, and not make the finals. And then the year after that, they would make the finals with, you know, Malone and Peyton. But then the whole thing would explode and they'd be done. And then the dynasty, you know, quote unquote, was over, you know, in another two years. So it's just kind of funny how um, in some ways we we sort of take for granted how long some of these things go on. Because like you said, I, I would consider that Lakers team a dynasty. I will talk about the Warriors here in a sec. They're about the same length right now. But at the time, it feels like, oh, my God, this has been going on forever. But Exactly. Like the Lakers, they ended after two years and then it was like, oh, oh, well, that wasn't very long. And, and, and like you're saying, we're talking now as if the Warriors are this thing that's like, oh my God, uh, well, the NBA is ruined da, 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 and yada, yada, whatever. But if it all breaks up after next year, like you said, for whatever reason, we don't know. I mean, we didn't know the Lakers were going to, you know, fall apart when they did. If it all breaks up, I think like time will look at back at the Warriors and go like, yeah, they were great for like three or four years, but man, they didn't really have the longevity or whatever, which is nuts because when you're living in it, it feels like such a grind and such a, inevitability is the word a lot of people bring up, but that's sort of what it feels like in the moment. But yeah, if it, if it all ends in another year, we're going to look back and go, oh, geez, they really didn't have that long of a run. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, things look very different in hindsight. It's, it's obviously that 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 almost doesn't need to be said, but it, <clears throat> there is very much a difference. And you're right. I mean, it really hasn't been that long for the Warriors compared to some of the other great teams of all times. And <clears throat> this, I think, segues into interesting t- thoughts about the '80s Lakers and '80s Celtics because you know those are two teams that definitely have uh, you know um, fit the definition of dynasty in a certain way. But the fact that they both were competing with each other, you know, roughly the same time, um, that I think changes the question. So if you just look at like for the Lakers for the 85 to 88 period, that's three titles in four years, which I again fits our, you know, the, the qualifications we've had that definitely fits. If you expand that to 80 and 88, that's five titles and seven finals in nine years, which I, I, I think also um, fits comfortably. But then you have to think about the 80 Celtics. They won in 81, 84, 86. They won three in six years. But can we have two dynasties that overlap? Um, you know, do we do further the Lakers? Because they obviously accomplished more overall in the decade, but they only won two in that same 81 to 86 period. But were they, um, you know, significant enough in that small window that, you know, the 80s can't, the 80 Celtics can't be a dynasty because. They compete too much with the Lakers. It, it, it's an interesting question to me. Yeah, that that is. I, I had thought of that. The, the concurrent or the concurrent uh, dynasties. If it, if it, you know, by its very nature, you can't be a dynasty if there's another dynasty. I don't know. I, I I think the way that the NBA sort of is structured, and 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 this is how we've always kind of done this show as well. As I think we are not a rings show. You know, you know. There's. I'm sure there are plenty of NBA podcasts you can listen to yeah. that define success simply by rings and how many rings you win or whatever. You and I, and at least, I, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I've always sort of been of the mindset that that getting to the conference finals to me is one of the biggest. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment to get to the conference final and, and to make it to the NBA finals too is just as much of an accomplishment. And then what happens in the NBA finals? That that's that is what it is. I mean, you can't control. Uh, you know. Sometimes you just face a great team, or you're, you're, you're you know you just got the wrong matchup, or there's an injury, or whatever. We, of course, in the '80s with, between the Lakers and Celtics, we know numerous times where that sort of stuff came up. But to me, you can be there can be two dynasties if they are like the Lakers and the Celtics, different conferences, but they were dominant in their conferences. They were no matter what year it was, no matter who won the championship at the end of the day, and there were some fluke years, and then some other teams kind of emerged. But for the most part, those two teams felt like they controlled their conferences, and they would make it to the conference finals and make it to the NBA finals almost every single year or whatever. And to me, that then allows them to sort of be those those you know dynasties at the same time because i think you know if you just define it by who wins the rings then you sort of i, I don't know I, to me i don't i don't necessarily yeah. love that right i you know, I, I agree but then if you look at the celtics you look also at what the sixers were doing at roughly the same time where they you know made three finals during basically that same window from 80 to 86 you know they they won they made the 3 in 80 82 and 83 so they were almost an equal team for most of that period or even better team for most for a lot of that period than the Celtics but we don't consider them a dynasty and they didn't you know, they didn't win the ring so they only won the one so yeah i i don't know i like i don't I kind of feel like the Lakers are comfortably in the 80s Celtics. I'm not sure they were quite dominant enough. Like I, I could be persuaded, but I, I think that maybe they're not quite, they don't quite fit the, the dynasty definition for me. Like the 80s Lakers, you know, clearly do, especially the, the, that, that 85 to 88 period. Yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. Yeah. That's just not fair. We're going to argue. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Jason. Yes. No, your opinion oh. is shit. You're wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so now this leads to another question, and you alluded to it a little bit already. Like, 
is LeBron James himself a dynasty? Do we need to rethink our definition of that term to include LeBron James? Because, you know, his teams, the Heat and the Cavs, they won, they went to eight straight finals. They won three titles in eight years. You know, what if that had just been for one franchise? Would we consider that a dynasty? Um, I mean, it actually would be three uh, championships, I guess, in six years, which would be the same as the uh, Celtics. Now, we would run into the same issue where some of that's overlapping with the beginning of the Warriors dynasty. So, you know, can we really consider that to be the case? But um, I don't know. There's definitely certainly a case in there. And, and there's a second issue of just like the success rate, because obviously, you know, LeBron's kind of in the middle between the 60 Celtics, who, of course, you know, won eight championships in a row and the Baylor West Lakers, who, you know, lost many of those championships to the uh, Celtics. And, you know, certainly despite making all those finals would not be considered a dynasty because they didn't they won only one championship late in, in West's career. So we don't really have a parallel of an elite player having that kind of streak of success for two franchises outside. You know, you could kind of throw Julius Irving in there because from 74 to 83 in the ABA and then the NBA, he did win three titles and he made six finals in 10 years. That's the closest parallel that I can think of to that. But, you know, I, I don't know. Do you think that if LeBron were, I guess the first question is if you were one franchise, would we consider what his teams accomplished a dynasty? Uh, yeah, I think unquestionably you would. I mean, I, like, like I said, you know, going to eight straight finals, whether you win, you know, only a handful of them. And it's funny that like LeBron, you know, he's won three and it's just like ah, a handful. Yeah, whatever. But I mean, I guess right. when you right. go to eight, yeah. the expectations are, are, are pretty high. And when you're in the mix is like, right. you know, the greatest of all time, it, the expectations are a little high. But uh, no, unquestionably, I think if, if if it were all for one team, he absolutely would or, or they, they would be considered a dynasty. Whatever team it was, X team is, would, would unquestionably, yeah, be a dynasty. Okay. So should we, do you think like we can just, Call LeBron Dynasty. Like, do we think we should redefine that term? Yeah, I mean, like, people are going to be upset because yeah. it's like one player. The Cavs, like, yeah, but, the Heat slash Cavs should be a dynasty. You yeah, know, I mean, that's kind of it, yeah. it is because I mean, he goes whatever team he go, has gone to for the last almost decade. That team goes to the NBA Finals, and that's. I don't know. That's, that's something to be, you know, uh, celebrating her. And that's, that's an accomplishment all the same. So, yeah, I guess he is. But I know, yeah, it makes some people uneasy and it, it, it's kind of weird to define. But yeah, I mean, he, he kind of has to be, right? Yeah, I mean, I it's a really interesting question. I I, I think that it's something that we're thinking about. And I, yeah, I mean, I I would agree that they would definitely be considered that in that window. So another thing this finals has done is it has moved LeBron James up to the the most finals lost list. Uh, Jerry West is number one <laughs> at eight finals out of nine played. Uh, Elgin Baylor seven finals lost out of Aww. seven played. Never won the finals, unfortunately. And LeBron now uh, six finals lost out of nine played, so uh, so he does have the three, which is pretty good. But obviously has the six losses, which a lot of people hold against him. Which you I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I'm not a count the rings guy, obviously either. But I I, I do think that it says it has to say something about you how you perform and how your teams perform on the biggest stage. There's a lot of context to consider. There's a lot to you know be thinking about. I, I don't think that necessarily. You know, Jordan is better than LeBron solely because Jordan was six and zero in the finals, and LeBron is three and six in the finals. I mean, I, I I don't reduce it to that, but I do think that LeBron, they're they're you know the finals is the biggest stage you can have. It's the biggest pressure you can have. And honestly, I think LeBron, you know, for the most part, he's had his hiccups, obviously, particularly twenty eleven. But I think he's 
obviously stood, you know, he, he, he stood tall and played really, really excellently through, you know, most of those times, even in, in those losses. Yeah, I think the, the, the way that I've kind of always defined it, and, and, and you kind of say it, said it pretty similar, is I don't think it says everything, you know, your win-loss record in the finals, but I think it says something. Does that make sense? Where it's like, you know, I don't want to say, oh, well, who cares? You know, it's, it's not a big deal or whatever. And I also don't want to say, well, no, it absolutely matters. It's the only thing that matters because, you know, Jordan's six and six and LeBron's, you know, six and you know, what? Like, yeah, there, there's there's definitely something to be said, though. I mean, it is certainly unique and it, it, it has this for whatever reason, this past finals, even though I don't think anybody I, I don't know that, it, that nobody really came to the NBA finals thinking that LeBron and, and the Cavs were going to win or whatever. But it was a time and it, now this is a ter- kind of a period for us to reflect on it and go, OK, well, that you know, that's quite a lot. He's played in nine finals. He, he's you know lost six of them really effectively. The one the, the 2007, I feel kind of crappy about like that one. I don't om- almost want to like add in because that'd be like if Michael Jordan like lucked his way into like the 88 finals or whatever and would have like that Bulls team would have had like no chance or whatever, you know, like the 89 finals or whatever. Like that Bulls team would have had no sure. chance and they would have absolutely lost or whatever. But that doesn't make anything that he did after that really matter. It's like one of those ones where they came, they got there a little too early. Uh, the Cavs and and so that one's that one's weird. I don't love really counting that one, but basically from 2011 on, I feel like you can count those and really look at those and really reflect on those because because those are yeah those are him in his prime, him with you know pretty what I would consider somewhat loaded teams or whatever not loaded teams but good teams I I, I should say particularly you know Miami was was pretty loaded and whatnot. But uh, so now you can kind of reflect on those and yeah like you said it it, it I, I don't know I don't know what to make of it at this point I, I I'm not quite sure. But it does. It definitely means something. Like I don't want to just ignore it and just go. Oh well, whatever. You just you know you're losing the NBA Finals. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You get there because it is important. But I think we are pretty good about not making it everything. It is not the only thing that matters. There's obviously some nuance. Uh, but no, I mean it is. It is a point of discussion. I mean it, it's you know this is the biggest stage. And if you're one of those guys, like you, you would hope that you get a little bit more. And obviously three rings is great. But um, yeah, if, if he never makes another NBA Finals, I think that is absolutely going to be considered um, you know some missed opportunities there many times. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And really, I mean, I think 2011 is the one where, like, you feel like they should have won that one. I mean, the other times that he's lost, like, the teams were pretty undermanned. And, um, you know, they were, you know, situations where, you know, they, they were unlikely to win. But I think 2011 is the one where, but you know, in, in winning four out of four out of nine instead of three out of nine, I don't think that changes necessarily a huge amount of equation for his career. Um but uh, but you know it's it's sort of it, that that's, that's the one that kind of kind of slipped away a little bit. But of course, 2016 is the one where they were huge underdogs and and came back and gave from three one lead. So that almost kind of makes up for it to a a certain extent. But um, I, for the record, I would like to name the other people who have lost uh, four or more uh, finals um, appearances because it's an interesting list. So uh, Larry Faust, uh, sadly, who by the way belongs in the Hall of Fame, is one of the uh, overlooked uh, players who uh, was not in the uh, Hall. Is of he fame. not in the Hall of Fame? Holy shit! He's not in the Hall of Fame. What? Yeah, I know. Come on, I know, I know. Ridiculous. It's uh, one of the better uh, guys really? who's not I in just the thought Hall of Fame. But, what but the hell? Uh, no, really, made five. <laughs> He's not. Yeah. Wow, good lord. I know. Yeah. What? So made five. Yeah. Stupid. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Richard, you're, you're you're aghast at this. I know. I, well, I, I strong guy. I kind of thought he would. I mean, come on. Why not? Yeah. Right. So yeah, he uh, made five finals and lost five finals. Um, came very close in a fifty-five to uh, beating the Nationals, but uh, unfortunately things did not turn out well for him there. Uh, and in terms of guys who have lost uh, four finals, we have uh, mostly almost all Lakers. Uh, Keith Erickson, Rudy LaRusso of the uh, Lakers, uh, Steve Mix mostly was the Sixers, but one year with the Lakers. Uh, Max, the L- I always have trouble with his name. Mac. Max Zaslowski, uh, with uh, mostly with the Knicks. Uh, Danny Ainge um, lost a couple toward the end of his career with the Blazers and Suns. Um, and, uh, of course, the two with the Celtics as well. Will Chamberlain, Mel Counts, Magic Johnson, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, 
of course, uh, Kareem won six rings and Magic won uh, five rings, so they, they did pretty well there. Brought it up briefly, but um, yeah, the Warriors came very, very close to winning four championships in a row. Only uh, they blew, blew that 3-1 lead, of course, in 2016. And, um, and, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, only lost that Game 7 Finals by, by I think, four points. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if you think about, you know, they've already accomplished so much and they obviously have a chance to accomplish a lot more. But, the, you know, if they'd won four titles in a row, where would that put them? I mean, that, that's it puts them in a different stratosphere, really. I mean, if you look at the, the, the history of the NBA, there are plenty of teams that won three in a row, plenty that obviously go back to back or whatever. But, I mean, four in a row just does not happen. And we got to go all the way back, I, I, I believe. I don't know if, if I had this wrong. I, I don't think I do. But we had to go all the way back to the, the, the obviously, the, the Celtics dynasty, the Russell Cousy Red. I mean, everybody else, there's teams that make it multiple times in a row and teams that, but, and we get three peats and we get that sort of stuff. But four in a row is like a different stratosphere, it's a completely different, uh, yeah. you know, universe. Yeah, yeah. The fact that the Celtics did it twice, remarkable. Back to back, yeah. And then right, took a year exactly, off, and then won yeah. a bit. You know, like yeah, that that goddamn that, that Celtics dynasty. Yeah, that's an amazing team. I, every time, I mean, I know it was a very different league. It was a smaller league. You know, there there are a lot of caveats to you know that, but I mean, it's just it's just amazing that they were able to do it year after year. You know, and you look at the Warriors this year, and they were definitely. You know, not as strong in the regular season. They came extremely close to losing to Houston in um, game. You know, they were down three two, and they really lost that. Houston lost that game seven after you know having a historically crazy three point shooting, bad three point shooting game, where you know they, they easily could have won that series. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. You know, the, we, we and we saw it with the Heat. We've seen it with a lot of teams where that fourth year is just such a huge drag, and you know you slow down, and it becomes harder, and the motivation isn't there, and all that different stuff. So, you know, putting the the Celtics' accomplishments in perspective, and honestly, LeBron's eight you know finals in a row, despite you know the the the, the three and five record. I mean, that that's all that be, to be able to bring it year after year just to make it to the finals is you know pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that's definitely yeah. But four in a row, that that's it would have been pretty cool. And like the the thing is, is like yeah, it's obviously the caveat because they didn't win it and they didn't win the ring. But like they were you know right there, they had they were up three one. Like it's almost like we should just count it. But you know, obviously we're not going to and we can't. But it's yeah, when you realize that it was that close to, to to being that four in a row, and 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 really when you look at the other series, like obviously there was there was competitive series the first. Um, you know the first Warriors Cavs year or whatever that that one you know semi competitive series but I mean really the Warriors were, were by all intents and purposes going to win that series you, oh I mean not, Matthew Delvadova is your second best player is probably not a good way <laughs> to win an NBA Finals but you know LeBron did all he could so you have that series where the Warriors pretty much definitively won it I, when, when it was all said done and then you have the second one they obviously go up three one and blow that and then the last two have just been kind of you know relative cakewalks or whatever so it's amazing to think that if they had just finished that off like imagine if at three one they just finish it off Draymond stops hitting people in the nuts and they just win and i mean then it's just like oh my god like then they're it, it, it the talk now i mean we're, we have we have this like doomsday scenario now about the warriors can you imagine if they just won four straight like basically sweeps you know outside of just like a game or two here and there like they'd have been nuts with the <laughs> people would have said oh yeah i mean it would, that would be a different level i mean obviously it'd be interesting to see if they go in for three beat next year and whether they get in that club much less you know Four in a row, but yeah, that's just that. That's almost mind blowing. The fact that they've been able to, um, you know, to, to to get to that point. The fact that they came so close to getting to that point is, you know, is pretty mind blowing. But something we asked on Twitter is whether Kevin Durant and Steph Curry right now are top twenty five players in um, in NBA history. Uh, Rich, what do you think? 
Man, it's pretty tough. There was a there was a really good article. I think it just got released today by uh, Michael Pina on uh, Vice Sports. It's called uh, "Steph Curry is in the VIP Room of NBA History," and I thought it was a a pretty interesting way. And he 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 brings up a bunch of stats that I think kind of put into context a little bit, and then I'll I'll sort of give my answers here. But uh, essentially, kind of bullet points of, of of what Steph Curry's done, you know, in his career right now. Mind you, he's like still pretty young. Like Steph Curry probably has a few more years under his belt, but you know, we don't know what happens. Injuries can can come up or whatever. But um, three rings and two MVPs before his thirty first birthday. Uh, he's made five all-star teams, five all-NBA teams, two first, two second, and one third. He's led the league in scoring once. Uh, true shooting percentage, he's led the league twice, and he's uh, had uh, top ten usage rate in both those years as well, which is pretty significant. Uh, he's led the league in steals twice. Uh, he's led the league in three-pointers attempted and made five times. We know that he's obviously going to become the, the greatest three-point shooter if he's not already. I mean, I think he probably is already uh, the greatest three-point shooter of all time. Uh, offensive real plus minus, he's led the league twice, and since the stat's been invented, he has never finished below third. Uh, three rings in five years or fewer as as kind of the top player of this team as well. This is kind of a weird uh, one that he brought up as well. Essentially, what Michael brought up is, you know, Curry kind of joins Tim Duncan, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, and George Mikan on a list of, like, guys that have won three rings in in five years as, as, like, the man of their team or whatever, which is pretty interesting. And um, he looked also at, 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 there's been 29 players that have scored at least 11,000 points uh, during their age 24 to 29 seasons. Uh, and Steph Curry ranks second in true shooting, first in three-point percentage, first in free throw percentage, first in effective field goal percentage, and he's also 10th in two-point percentage. And he's ahead of two-point percentage. Uh, he's ahead of Wilt Chamberlain, Moses Malone, Dirk, Jerry West, Kobe, Bird, Wade, and several other Hall of Famers in that as well. So we're looking at just a, a, a guy rank-wise. Like, if you retire tomorrow, we look at these ranks and, and, and whatnot. I mean, he's, he's, he's up there, and it seems kind of weird given, like, his body frame and his body structure and the way his game is, is molded, but... Top twenty five. I don't. It, it, my brain has a tough time, like kind of coming up with exactly who my you know quote unquote top twenty five would be. But I mean, he's got to be in the mix, right? Oh yeah, I mean, he's definitely in the mix. I mean, I, yeah, he's definitely. I, I think there's a good chance that he and Durant are already been on there. Yeah, like I said, I haven't totally like made my absolute list of top twenty five, but I think he's you know he's long there. I, yeah, the 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 one. The interesting thing there is the the three rings and five or fewer years as the most irreplaceable player on their team. That's that's an interesting definition for Curry because you know would you, would you argue right now that over the last two years Curry has been the best player or Durant has been the best player? And there are a lot of metrics that that suggest that Curry actually provides more value to the um, Warriors than Durant does. Um, it, and I, I think that. Like I, I've heard described, I think Matt Moore kind of put put it this way: is that you know um, Durant raises their floor, but Curry raises their ceiling. Like Curry is the thing that makes them special, but Durant may be the better overall player. I, I, I'm not totally sure how to completely parse that because you know obviously they're both such fantastic players, and I, I think they definitely um, yeah Durant's been around a little bit longer and has slightly more accolades. Although obviously Curry has the two MVPs, so I, I think of Durant as more definite of top twenty-five. But they're you know they're 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 definitely both in that um, you know they're definitely in in that box. I mean we talked about when Curry went or excuse me when Durant went to Golden State of the idea of like okay is he going to put himself in the um, conversation for you know one of the greatest players of all time with this move you know with with these you know things and I, I don't think that's going to be happening I think part of that is because um, LeBron has maintained like an, he looked like he might be declining a couple years ago and he's maintained like an incredible level and he's just built on his case rather than fading um, and I, and I think that there is just 
so much of having to share the credit for what has been going on with this Golden State team that it's kind of impossible for one individual to really stand out as much as like you know greatest of all time kind of guy would would do. But um, I mean, yeah, obviously they're I think they're both comfortably in this uh, conversation and, and both have you know these these great accolades as, as you've outlined for Curry and, and Durant here are some incredible ones as well. Yeah, Durant's got d- just a, a laundry list. I, you almost kind of forget as well <laughs> just how much Durant has accomplished. But at uh, this point right now, he's a nine-time All Star, four-time scoring champ, seven-time All NBA, one-time MVP, of course, two-time Finals MVP. You know, racking up another one uh, this year. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year, Hall of Fame probability. I thought it was kind of interesting as well. Basketball Reference has their Hall of Fame probability. He was one hundred percent. Curry was 99.6. Um, so, I mean, they're both like <laughs> mortal locks for the Hall of Fame. But I find it kind of interesting that, that Durant was 100% while Curry was 99.6. Not quite there yet, but, you know, almost there. But, uh, yeah, Kevin Durant all-time. Uh, 31st all-time in value over replacement players. 17th all-time in box plus minus. 10th all-time in win shares per 48. Now, all those can sort of, I guess if he has a bunch of, like, negative seasons, that, that can kind of go down. But you would sort of assume that, you know, given where Durant's at right now, that he's going to only help those numbers or only enhance those numbers a little bit. But we'll, we'll kind of see how uh, things go on. I guess if he has, like, a decade of you know negative uh, value, then then maybe not, but I, I, that would be pretty surprising if he does that. Thirty uh, seventh all time right now in win shares, um, eighth right now in PR, and fifth all time in points per game. I think that's an interesting one as well. We have talked about it before. Um, and when we previewed seasons or whatnot, but I don't think people understand just how like all-time great score Kevin Durant is and what level he's on in terms of all-time great scores. Fifth all-time right now in points per game, and obviously that's that's going down a little bit playing with the Warriors and playing you know with, with, with you know a few other guys in terms of Clay and and, and Curry who were taking up numbers. But like had he stayed on his own, like we're looking at a guy who could be in contention for the most all-time points per game. But now even a few years in Golden State, he's still fifth all-time in that, which I think is pretty remarkable. Yeah, that absolutely is wrong. Well, I was trying to get like a gander of where he is on the list right now because he's just recently crossed 20,000 points, almost a 21,000 points. So, yeah, I mean, he's comfortably going to be probably, you know, top 15 all score, all time scorer, you know, maybe even in the uh, the top 10. Yeah, he's is, 41st uh, right now. Yeah. If that's the number you were looking for. He's 41st right now. So, right. Yeah, yeah, barring like anything catastrophic, like he's going to just vault up that list. Uh, over the next you know half decade or whatever, however long he plays or whatever. The good thing is yeah. he's only had a few kind of nagging injuries or whatnot, but you never know. Like yeah. you said, it's it, fleeting. You yeah. never, you he, never he had, know. He had, right. He had the foot injury, but he seems to obviously recover mm-hmm. from that. So yeah, I mean, if he has like a normal you know career, yeah, he's gonna be. He's been gonna probably be close again on thirty thousand points for his career. You know, I think mean, that's that's a that's a fairly safe assumption. Um, you know, if he has the you know, the kind of longevity that someone his age and his level of stardom would you would expect. So. So another interesting one for me, um, if you if you look at, you know, kind of the the second tier stars on both teams, you know, you look at Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kevin Love. You know, do we think that they are likely to be Hall of Famers? Um, and, and this is a real interesting one for me because I, I would actually probably the the best the basketball reference has, of course, their Hall of Fame indicator, but I, I would actually think that is sort of different from what they say. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you as well. So just to kind of give you an idea of the basketball reference, uh, you know, Hall of Fame probability for, for these three guys. Uh, for Kevin Love, they have him at 67.6. So they have him pretty likely to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, they have Clay Thompson at 24.7, and then they have Draymond Green at 27.3. So now where do you differ on that? Because I'm curious if we differ in the same ways. Yeah, I, mean, I would say, I would think that Draymond and Clay would be higher 
up on this list. I think Love would be like, I would think of Love as more like a 50% kind of guy, and I would think of Draymond as more in the like 75, 80%, and Clay in more like the 60 to 70% kind of range. That would, that would be yeah, kind of my thought. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at as well, I, particularly a Draymond Green type. I think like, I think Clay Thompson obviously should be in that mix there, but I feel like when, when, when you know, in, in whatever it is, when a decade, a few decades or whatever, when history looks back at a Draymond Green type, I think he's a guy that's going to be viewed a little bit more positively to history because he was a guy that could do a bunch of different things, and he was kind of the Swiss Army knife for the team or whatever. So I could see that being something that really propels him to a Hall of Fame mix where, you know, really, and, I, and, and I'm not going to make that direct argument or whatever, but there is obviously an argument to be made that once they sort of started to give him more of a role, when Steve Kerr comes in and replaces Mark Jackson and goes, well, no, Draymond, you, let's have you play and not David Lee. Like, why are we playing David Lee when there's you? They basically got to another stratosphere. And that's not. 100% because of Draymond Green, but obviously he is a big factor in that, of them sort of changing around, them becoming that identity, them being able to switch every single pick and roll, them being able to have five guys that can dribble and rebound and shoot and do all that sort of stuff. So I, I love the idea of Draymond in history, in 15 years or whatever, us thinking a little bit more highly of him. Clay Thompson, I think, obviously will, because he's going to go down as one of the greatest shooters of all time, but I could see him being a little bit, I, I don't know, maybe hamstrung or kind of pigeonholed into like, yeah, he was a really good shooter, but like Curry and Durant and, and, and Dre, they were like the guys that really made it happen. I don't know. We'll see how that happens with, with, with Clay. And then for me, Kevin Love, I, I feel like in history, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but for me, I think Kevin Love is going to be looked at as, as historically a guy that, you know, put up gaudy numbers in Minnesota, but didn't win anything. Then he went to Cleveland and, you know, they obviously won the one thing, but he was, you know, a real secondary piece and his longevity just wasn't quite there or whatever. I don't know if that's what it's going to be for Love, but I kind of feel like that's the sort of the narrative that we're building up right now. And I don't know if that's going to change all that much in the next few years. I think especially with him seemingly slowing down a little bit, you still have your little spurts here and there. But I don't know. I It, it all depends how people sort of respond to the Minnesota years, because the Minnesota years are gaudy offensive numbers. They look great. Everything's there, but there wasn't success. So I don't know if people then kind of look at down upon that or or frown upon that era and then look at when he was in Cleveland that they had success but he was not really a vital part of of a lot of that success right yeah love's interesting because he seems like kind of I don't know the best parallel I can think of is like a Bob McAdoo where like he obviously didn't have the highs of McAdoo I mean obviously McAdoo was like first or second in MVP for like three straight years and but he didn't have the lows either he didn't like fall off you know that tremendously like McAdoo did and then McAdoo kind of found the second career as more of a role player on the Lakers now love is like you know the second or third most important player for the Cavs during this four-year stretch I mean kind of kind of behind Kyrie but obviously Kyrie wasn't there last year so um I, you know, I, I I think he's I think he's obviously probable Hall of Famer, and I I think like yeah, obviously he'll you know continue to have his career. He's late, he's in his late twenties, so he is, still has a few years of productive play. you know, we'll see what kind of what stage he goes into his career next. If you know LeBron leaves Cleveland, where you know, and if where he goes and all that sort of thing. But um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's interesting because it, it it kind of it helps him in a way that it doesn't help Clay, uh, particularly where. Like we've seen what Love was like on his own team, and you know he was an incredibly you know effective offensive player on that team, but that team was you know not obviously not a very good team. Um, whereas Clay, like I mean, it's always possible, of course, he could end up somewhere else later, and then kind of showing off like what he could do as kind of the number one star versus you know number three or four star you know choice. I mean, he's on one hand he's awesome in his role, on another hand. I feel like he's a guy who potentially could like if who could show more in like a different system. Like I think we talked about before, like what it would have happened to Kevin McHale had he been drafted by like say the Bullets instead of the um, 
Celtics. If he had been like the man in Washington versus, you know, number two, number three in Boston his entire time, like, would he have even like shown, you know, been more of a superstar, been like an MVP candidate versus like, you know, obviously still having an excellent career, a Hall of Famer, top 50 player, all that good stuff. But like, obviously that, that context is really interesting because we see kind of both of it for love, the fitting in and being the star where we don't really have that for, you know, for, for Clay. And I don't think Draymond's quite that kind of player. You know, I think he's a perfect, awesome role player and him trying to be like a star, I don't think would, would work, even though he, he does things at a star level as a role player, for, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's where it's the love thing. I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting thing to try to guess what we're going to do in 15 years. And I sort of there guess, you know, that a lot of people are going to like Draymond more than they like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and obviously we don't know what's in the future. I mean, Kevin Love might go to another team and, and all of a sudden that team becomes really good and he's ready to be the man again. And that team makes, you know, a few playoff runs or whatever. And that sort of changes uh, the entire, the entire trajectory of his career, the narrative around his career. Maybe Draymond leaves and, and is absolutely, you know, he's a Lance Stevenson or whatever, you know, who knows? It's, it's impossible to know, so it's all just kind of trying to guess into the future and, and see where things go. But um, I would not be shocked if all three of them make it at some point. You, you know, it is the Basketball Hall of Fame, for God's sakes. You know, <laughs> Other than Larry Faust, yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone else gets in. So Right. Yeah. Larry Faust, 94%, uh, by the way, of the... Uh, oh, that's the, what I mean. Why is he not in there? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I know. I know. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't know. The, yeah, the Hall of Fame is a little weird because they, they don't... You know, Sigma's not in... I mean, we've been on this right yeah. before, but I, I'll briefly... Let's call Curtis. Let's call Curtis. Hold on a minute. Let's get Curtis on the yeah, line. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, Sidney Moncrief's not... If you, basically, like, everyone gets in unless you're a buck. If, you're not, <laughs> right. if, if you've you're, ever played for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if you're a buck or if you're, um, if you're Larry Faust, you don't get to get yeah. in. Everyone else, you uh. know, pretty much, yeah. All right. Um, so, Vin Baker, so, don't wait by your phone. I don't know if it's coming. So. Yeah, I, 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 he's got those Starbucks franchises, right? He's too busy for the whole <laughs> right. anyway, so... So, are NBA fans... Are they right to be mad at Kevin Durant? Was his decision lame? You know, is it bad for NBA competition? You know, there, there's this the talk. I I feel like this talk has even escalated as the Warriors have continued this success. I, 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 we've, I think people are more mad at Durant today than they were when he first made that choice. Where when it came to LeBron, like it, obviously that first year was really really intense and really angry, and then it kind of calmed down a little bit after that and. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with the fact that um, the Warriors have not failed with Durant, whereas the Heat, you know, failed that right. first year, mm-hmm. and whether that was like a release valve. But I don't know. It's um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about all this? Yeah, I think I think absolutely. You know, your question about the LeBron thing. I think them losing right away helped it a lot because it was like, oh, they're not dominant. Oh, they didn't ruin the NBA, and then like you know they wouldn't win the next two years or whatever. But I think people then sort of adjusted a little bit because of that. So I think that might have been a blessing in disguise a little bit as losing that first year, uh, whereas obviously the Warriors have not. Um, here's where I'm kind of at with this is. At one time, I, I I love dominant teams in the NBA. I love the idea that there are you know villains or whatever. That there's a team that everybody wants to beat or whatever. I had no issue with LeBron going to Miami. I mean, maybe, maybe like in that exact moment because I wanted him to go to the Bulls or whatever. I cared, but then briefly, like you know, immediately after, I didn't care all that much. But I found it kind of fun to root against them. You know what I mean? I kind of liked that they were the villain. I wanted them to be more of like the heels of the NBA, and I thought that would have been cool if they did that. So I like that. I like dominant teams. I like you know dynasties, all that stuff, sort of fine. But at the same time, and and I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, I do think that 
the Durant thing was kind of lame just because it was, I don't know. It, 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 and, and I don't begrudge him for doing what he did. It was absolutely the right idea. And, I, and, and we've talked about it at length, too, is, you know, it's not easy to just go to a team and, and you know, the expectations are now tremendous that you're going to have to go out there all the time and you're going to have to win because if they lose, it's going to be such a, a negative on you. But at the end of the day, when he made the decision and even today, I still kind of think it was sort of lame because the Warriors were already a really good team. And I love seeing other people try to compete with those great teams. I love the great team being established, being what they are, and now seeing how other people are going to adjust. Like what the Rockets did, you know, bringing in Chris Paul. That was awesome to me. I love the idea. And I don't care if Paul George goes to the Rockets or LeBron goes to the Rockets. I'm on board with that. All right, cool. Let's have another team try to go at the, you know, the the, the dominant team of the era. uh, Durant's thing, I should say. Even at the time, and and, and still, it just felt kind of lame because it was like, oh man, you gave them like a really good push as Oklahoma City, and then you just bounce, and then you just join them. To me, I I don't know. It's it's, and that's not me saying that I I invalidate Kevin Durant. We've had jokes about that all the time, but I do. Lame is a good word. I just do think it's kind of lame. I just think it took a little bit of steam out of the out of the NBA, and I do. I really would have liked to see Kevin Durant go to another team and try to face off against these Warriors, or I couldn't do it with with Westbrook. Well, I'm gonna try it with this guy or whatever. Because I don't know. I just don't love the idea of him going there. Uh, when the team's already pretty dominant and the team's already have had won a title and were you know in the mix for another title, so it, it to me was a little lame. But I, I understand it and I don't begrudge him. Am I allowed to do that? I, I think okay. so. Yeah, I, I think nuance is allowed in the show. I believe. I believe we've we've allowed it. To, it's in the uh, well. If they check the rule book, but I think we're, <laughs> we're okay the, with that. The commandments. Yeah, yeah. you know, I I, I I get what you're saying. I, I don't like it's it's not lame to me. I, I don't know. I I I think there's. There's a lot of personal stuff, obviously, that goes into decision like that, and we don't know these people at these these guys as people. So there, there's a lot more going on. You know, we're not here to regulate anybody's feelings. Um, you, you know, for me, I I think like as, as you alluded to, and we've talked about before. You know, they've the Warriors have embraced this challenge of history of comparing themselves to all these different dynasties. And to be like, okay, we're going to, we have this loaded team and we're just going to try to dominate this league and win as many of these championships as can and be considered the greatest of all time. And obviously, you know, adding Durant to that mix puts them in a level where, you know, they're, they're hoping and, and I think probably will get to the point where they're in the conversation with the greatest dynasties of all time, you know, those those uh, 60s Celtics and those 90s Bulls and, you know, and the 50s Lakers. I mean, those are the ones who have, you know, what, what dominated their leagues the most during those times. And I think that they have a chance to get there now. You know, obviously Houston put up a, a really tough fight. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what kind of happens in the offseason with LeBron picks another destination and loads up or maybe the Cavs pull out something to load up or whatever. You know, I, I don't think it's you know, fait accompli that the that the Warriors are going to necessarily, you know, keep winning all the time. But I mean, I think they're going to keep competing for, you know, quite a bit. They're, they're still, you know, they're obviously they're getting older and this year. They definitely showed some signs during the regular season of slowing down. But, you know, they're still, you know, those guys are, you know, around 30 or so. They, they probably have, you know, a few more years left at being a championship contender. So, I don't know. I I, I think it's it, it's complicated. I think it, it it throws down this gauntlet for other teams to try to like you know find this um you know to stack up and to to try to you know meet this challenge. I I do think that the, the fact that the idea that Durant's move to the Warriors is unprecedented, I, I I think is just is really not not true. Um, it is different, and we'll get to that. But I but I do think like you know Moses Malone and Will Chamberlain both were incumbent MVPs. And they joined teams who had just made the finals. Now, these happened via trade, but but Wilt requested the trade to the Lakers, leaving a team that was a title contender that had won the championship in 67. In fact, had been one of the greatest team in NBA history up to that point and went to the Lakers, joining, you know, Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. 
And Moses Malone signed as a restricted free agent with the Sixers, who had made the finals in 82. Eventually, a sign and trade was worked out. There was not unrestricted free agency yet until 88, I believe. So, you know, and then that, he left a team that had made the finals the year before in 81, although they were a dark horse that year. Right. And the, the, the Rockets at the point were not title contenders. So it wasn't quite the same thing. But they were, you know, they, they could have reloaded with Moses and, you know, been in the mix. It wasn't like out of the realm possibility. So, you know, he wasn't leaving a loser. He was leaving, you know, a team that, you know, uh, was was kind of more middling, but it had some success and, you know, maybe could have gotten there again. Not, not that far off from what the Thunder, um, honestly, you know, had been. So... I don't know. I mean, yes, it is true that KD to the Warriors, never a player that great has joined a team that great, but it's not like out of bounds with prior history. Like I, I, I wish, you know, like it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's an extreme version of something, but it's, it's something that's happened before. It's rare, obviously, because it, it just doesn't, there aren't that many opportunities for a player that great to join a team that great, you know, it, you know, in terms of already established grace, as opposed to like, you know, Magic Johnson being drafted by the Lakers. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, and, and, and one thing as well, this method. Not, not to, not to interrupt, but one thing I've always kind of been a little, I've always kind of fought back on this because people sort of assume, or people kind of construct the Warriors as this like, team that just went out there and like they are not a team that they are not the Yankees of, of of basketball that went out there and just acquired the best players all at the same time using like tricks and, and tra- all they did is essentially draft really well get super lucky on, on Draymond Green being you know what he was where they drafted him got super lucky that that Steph Curry had injuries at the time when his contract came up and were able to sign him to a decent deal and then you know hit on Clay Thompson and then have really kind of hit on a bunch of role players around there Andre Goodella coming at the right time and and being a guy so that's always the one thing that I was and and shit they had a lot of this team together with Mark Jackson they weren't doing anything and then they got Steve Curtin that was another so like I always kind of fight back on this because there is there are teams you know we look at there was you know when when for a while there and, and even in the 80s it was still going on where the Celtics were just smarter than every other team and just like conning everybody else and like getting first round picks out of people yeah. and then just you know treating people like absolute fools or whatever because they were playing a different yeah. game than everyone else the Warriors didn't necessarily do that they didn't do any all they did was like draft pretty well get really lucky that contracts kind of timed up and then the Durant thing was just the biggest stroke of luck because the you know the the CBA and and the and the, and the salary cap the way it was structured they decided to flatten it out or like so there was just like little things that sort of happened and Durant came free at that time and said all right shit well i have an opportunity to do this so i'm gonna go do this and it's the team that just so happened to have this because of some different things that they did and, and different ways they constructed but at no means were they like a team built to do this you, you know it wasn't you know five years ago it wasn't oh okay let's you know we're gonna do this this and this and then we're gonna become a dynasty or whatever no they just drafted steph curry and he was with monta ellis and monta was you know rolled his eyes and said oh this isn't gonna work no way i'm playing with this guy and, and there was a lot of things that happened that had to happen along the way the andrew bogut trade uh for monta ellis is a huge thing david lee acquiring david lee as a free agent was a big deal to kind of transform that 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 franchise and that dynasty so there's a lot of little things that sort of led to this but i i think it's kind of yeah. weird that people sort of assume that that it was this thing that was just like as you said fate completely like oh well the warriors have been this dynasty and they didn't do anything different than everybody else they just were smarter about some things and 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 had a lot of luck on their side to get to this point yeah honestly if you're talking kind of about the yankees the the heatles are, are kind of a better example of that because they they were able to you know they they were able to maneuver the of course they you know salary cap means that the team can't spend more you know than a certain amount but you know they were able to kind of manipulate things to get three stars to kind of come at the same time I and mean, they they were they're really the one that you know and I don't really buy that concept but they're they're really more the the but not built yeah oh exactly the, those guys got together yeah. and said okay here's the amount that our contracts are going to be yeah. so that we can all come to this team you know what I mean like well, which is fine yeah. but but yeah that, if you're going to have a criticism that really doesn't necessarily apply to the war no not at all yeah. I mean yeah it's 
just it was yeah, a, a, right. a lot of happenstance that that got them to this point. But it, like we have to give credit to them to, for drafting well, and 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 it's it's obviously needs to be said too. The supporting cast has been incredible as well. They've done an incredible job of uh, Leandro Barbosa's of the world. You're you know different guys. Zaza Pachulia played a role last year. Now this year didn't play a role. You know getting Jordan Bell this year in the draft because the Bulls are lazy and <laughs> cheap. Like you know what I mean there's like little things here and there that they sort of pounce on and they do and and we take for granted because we've seen we talked about LeBron. LeBron's a guy who I think one of the biggest issues no matter where he's been has been that you know that the eighth guy on the bench those supporting cast guys so hard you can put all the good guys in the team and you can have you know four or five real good guys but they always seem to struggle with those other bench guys and and when someone gets hurt it's like that next guy up is not ever you know a decent dude whereas the Warriors in these finals alone went with Kevon Looney for one game and then Kevon Looney went away and you barely saw him and then Iguodala comes back and he's ready to go and then you got Nick Young that's contributing got Jordan Bell that's contributing like so they've been always good about that over the last you know four or five years of always having those guys ready to go and we forget like a Leandro Barbosa type I mean there's there's been numerous guys as well that have played perfect roles even in Andrew Bogut the first year played a pretty pretty decent role for that team so it, it, it they've done a good you know it's not yeah I, I I hate the idea that they've sort of conned their way into this or they bought their way into this they haven't they've just built it and it's it's taken some luck but it's been a, a, one of the best you know built things we've ever seen and like and the other thing too is the Warriors were fucking terrible for like 30 years so you know what I mean like it's not like like all the Warriors again it's like no like if the Lakers were doing this I could see that I would probably be like ah damn Lakers again I'm already doing that about the Celtics like I'm already ruining the day that the Celtics are like you know in the in the finals for the third straight year or something like that after you know just conning the Nets or whatever but like the Warriors were terrible for 30 years like you know let them have some fun for a little while Indeed. Chris Cohen, so, the Cohen era. <laughs> like this yeah. at this day and suck. Like you can relive yeah. what it used to yes. be to be a fan of the Warriors. Like they deserve yeah. this. Trust Straight me. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, perhaps you know. I think something that maybe people are even more sick of than the Warriors was the idea of the Warriors versus an underbanned Cavs team. Despite having LeBron, you know, for the for the most part, having a team that you know, obviously, what they did, they they some luck involved in 2016 and really, you know, not, not having a great chance at those other years, despite, you know, competing pretty hard in 2015. What if we decided we would see the playoffs one through 16 and not bother with, you know, East, East and West, but to, but to actually do that, you know, that would maybe give us a chance to have, um, Warriors and Rockets in the finals, which would have been, which I think would have, given us a better taste than the you know what we got out of you know warriors and uh, Cavs in the finals how, how, how do you feel about that uh, i'm okay with it my, my one thing that i'm always kind of a little hesitant about that is because these things kind of go in cycles and they're ebb and flows the problem though is like over the last 15 years they really haven't gotten a cycle we've all kind of waited for okay well the east is going to have its time when it comes back and it just has never really happened it doesn't seem like it's it's going to happen anytime soon so it might be time to do the one through 16 and i have no problem with that it's fine with me i don't really i'm not you know hardened to the oh no it has to be east versus west i mean it would kind of suck because that's how the nba has been you know forever but i'm fine with adjusting if that's what it's going to take for me to get you know better playoffs or if it, if if the interest of fairness or if people think that it's going to be better i mean i don't mind the way it is right now i mean that doesn't bother me too much but if there's a big groundswell about the one through 16 i'm fine with that too i don't think i really hate it yeah i'm not really mad about it but i i think it could be better i think it potentially would be better the the only thing that the only negative about it of course is you kind of increased travel during the early rounds of the playoffs but i think that to the cost of that versus getting a better finals i think would be would probably be worth the trade-off uh for me but yeah i i that's a fun idea. We'll, we'll see. I, and they've been kind of a little more open-minded on stuff lately, so we'll see. You know whether they consider 
that one. Um, moving on to finals MVP. Of course, you know, there's kind of a big debate over, you know, Katie and Steph, uh, who should have won the finals MVP. I, I thought it was pretty clearly Durant, mostly, I think, because of you know, he had such an exceptional game three, which was kind of the, you know, the one that really sealed the series where Steph just really struggled during that game. Yeah, Steph had a very good game four, and, you know, overall their numbers were fairly close, although Durant's, I think, were pretty much better across the board. I, I think there was some sentimental swell for um, Steph because, of course, you know, he has been the you know, the most important player over the entire four-year run um, and, you know, didn't win the first two finals MVPs, so there was some, you know, some va- maybe the idea that it validated him a little bit more, but I don't know, do you think it matters at all to his legacy that he hasn't won a finals MVP? I mean, let's assume he doesn't win one for whatever reason. Does, does that really make a big difference? Yeah, I, I don't think so. And it's actually interesting. I went, uh, there was a Hoops Hype article about this, like best players to never win an MV, a finals MVP or whatever. And obviously there's some caveats there of like people that, you know, didn't win because they maybe were not in enough or when they made it to the finals or whatever. But uh, these guys, I think there was a pretty fun name. And there's there's a few names that definitely stuck out to me. Uh, Jason Kidd was one of them. That one's like, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't really expect, I didn't really expect Jason Kidd to win many uh, finals MVPs. Clyde Drexler again. That's another one. Uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, David Robinson, Julius Irving, Kevin Garnett, Kevin McHale, and Scottie Pippen. So nobody. Julius Irving is the one that obviously sticks out as like an all-time great, uh, 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 definitely all-timer that that doesn't have it, um, despite being in, in a few. I mean, not not a bunch, but you know uh, enough where you would maybe assume that he could get one out of there. Uh, David Robinson, I guess, is one. But you know, by the time he really started to make the finals, you know, Duncan was was kind of the dominant player of his team. Oscar Robinson obviously is one, and and Kevin Garnett, but you know he. By the time he got to there, it was because of the Celtics and that sort of stuff. So that doesn't bother me. I mean, I don't think any of those really bother me any more than any. I mean, I, I still think you can be an all-time great without being the Finals MVP, particularly because it, to, to me, I don't know. Finals MVP is is I don't know. I, I just don't care about it all that much. So that's why like people are arguing, oh, should Steph have won it or Durant have won it? I, I don't really care. Like we'll use it yeah. as we kind of talk about a guy, but I don't know that if like if it's player X and player Y and one has a Finals MVP and one doesn't, that I'm going to decide that one. I mean. Andrew Goodell is a Finals MVP, and it's like, all right. I mean, he was he was very good in that series, but like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, to me, it just it, I, it doesn't bother me all that much, and I don't really care all that much about it. So if he if he ends up with no none of them, I don't think it really matters. I think he, you know his numbers will speak for themselves, and his numbers are obviously still great in the finals. So I think that's all that's really that all that's all I'm going to look at when it's all said and done. Sure. Yeah, it, worth noting that that. Uh that Irving did win the two ABA playoff MVPs right, right. and he didn't win an NBA one. So, uh, so he's a little bit of an asterisk. On oh, and Bill Russell, like, he never even won a finals MVP, that lazy bum. I mean, they didn't have the right. awards until 1969 and the awards now named after him, but still, you know, you'd think you'd get one in there, right? <laughs> right. You think so. Yeah. Well, darn Jerry West, I guess, uh, I, I guess that's, uh, I think yeah. like Babe Ruth has like one MVP because they only came out MVP like later. And then like, there was some weird thing where you couldn't give it to the same guy or something like that. So it's like, ah, oh, Babe Ruth only has one MVP. Weird. Like, well, yeah, yeah you know, so, uh, we'll close this out. Um, and we've maybe touched on this a little bit, but just, but just, circling back do you think there's anything to the idea that the warriors are or could eventually be bad for the league um no i don't think so i think there's always these teams and that's the thing that we've we've sort of fought against and and it's 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 kind of fun because there is sort of your casual fans that are go you know kind of roll their eyes and do whatever but then there's always um you know, kind of the hardcore NBA fans, the people that know about their history. You know, there was there was a uh, Sports Illustrated cover that was making the rounds a few days ago, which was you know Jordan. You know, with the with the rest of the league trying to leap. Jordan's like this big caricature that's eight times bigger than all the other players or whatever, and everybody else is jumping and leaping. I forget what was the actual headline. Is it like is or, or, can anybody beat the Bulls or can anybody stop the Bulls or whatever? I think that's what it was, right? 
uh, the yeah, headliner. Or, or, are the Bulls too good? To yeah, something like, like that. Like, Sean High can uh, share that way. Yeah, now. essentially the right. same argument we're having right now, and I'm sure the same argument we've had, and we, we've looked through history as well and, and, and found many of those. So to me, no, they, they, they aren't. I think they're... I don't know. I guess you could say there'd, there'd be a time where they would be bad. I guess if they like acquired Anthony Davis for some fucking reason, that would be like, oh shit, all right, that's not bad. But but still, I I, I always truly believe that there's always going to be that other team. I mean, this year, and, and I mentioned this with because I had a bunch of friends I was watching one of the finals games with, and they were just bitching and moaning about ah the Warriors. And I said, you realize they were a Chris Paul injury away and like two miraculous comebacks from just getting ousted in the Western Conference Finals. Like people forget a few the, the 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 finals a few years ago the the famous Durant won the Western Conference Finals they were an, an Oklahoma City Thunder meltdown three hundred Oklahoma City Thunder meltdowns away from getting knocked out in the Western Conference Finals a few years ago as well so we, again it's very fleeting we sort of assume that it's like oh this team can't be beaten or whatever and like two weeks ago the Warriors were on the ropes and like we're almost gonna get beaten so it's one of those things that there's always gonna be teams no matter what the, the NBA was done when Miami got together with the, with the big three and then Dallas came and beat them and then Spurs eventually came and beat them and uh, we saw this now with the Warriors they can't be beat I mean they they obviously one time got beat in the finals and and numerous times the Western Conference Finals almost got taken to the limit too and 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 yeah like i said i watched that nba and nbc thing and the lakers cannot be beaten oh my god this kobe Shaq thing and then two years later they're imploding so it's just like it's, it's very fleeting and there's little things that can sort of happen so no i i don't know that it's ever going to get bad because i think and we can look at the patterns as well the nba thrives when there's those dominant teams you know what i mean there's always we can look at the groundswell when miami got together it really rejiggered the league a lot and people started to get into it whether it's to hate that team or not whatever but you're going to sort of rally behind another team and we're seeing it now i think a little bit as well it's 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 fun to have a dominant team and see other people sort of try to go at them and and you know, my, my last point on that is, you know, this last offseason, we sort of all assumed because the Warriors went through and blitzed through the playoffs the, the, the prior year, remember they went 16 1 or whatever, that we assumed that every team was just going to go, oh, well, forget it. Like the Warriors are going to dominate and we're not even going to bother. And then every NBA GM just went fucking nuts and started like acquiring as many people as possible. And you have OKC trying their thing, you have Houston trying their thing, you have teams all trying to do that. So I think we, we assume that teams are just going to give up and go, oh, what's the bother? But that's not in the nature of, uh, of NBA teams. It's not in the nature of NBA players. And it's not the nature of, of GMs as well. They're always going to go and try to be the team that topples the dynasty or whatever. And that's that to me is always fun. And, and, and that's healthy for the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's worth noting, you know, Mark Stein um, shared his newsletter that uh, ABC's viewership uh, for these finals was up 90% compared to the uh, the last uh, sweep in the finals, of course, the Cavs and the and the uh, Spurs in 2007. So, you know, you think of how far that was under 10 million, and uh, and, and there's it's up to the previous three finals were up to about 20 million in viewership, which was the, the biggest since '98 when you know Jordan retired. That was almost 30 million. So, um, you know, and, and the the. There was kind of a dip in the, um, you know, the, the the Lakers dynasty kind of boosted things up a little bit uh, throughout, you know, 2000 to 2004, the, the, the years the Spurs were, and it was definitely down, and then it's kind of steadily been, you know, the, the, the been rising since the, you know, the, the heat years, they it, it, it upticked, and then, you know, since, of course, the, the Cavs and Warriors have, have brought it up even even more. So, yeah, I mean, I, you, you could maybe see that is – if there's this idea of their dominance lasting so long that to turn off the fans, I think it's unlikely. I, the The more likely thing is that, yeah, could there be a post Warriors, post LeBron lull? You know, once they fade, like after Jordan retired in '98. I mean, yeah, I guess, but like, I mean, yeah, of course, if your biggest star, your biggest you know star attraction team, you know, leaves, obviously there's going to be an effect on that. I don't think there's any way necessarily to avoid that other than not having huge stars, which of course, is <laughs> yeah, I would, I would take do. the other so, strategy. I like the strategy of having stars. Yeah. 
Right. I, I would think that would be something that you would want to do. So, I, yeah, I, I don't sense that, you know, I, 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 I kind of feel like that there, there's not going to be necessarily a point where it's going to turn so many people off that they're, you know, really going to be hurting in their, um, you know, TV ratings or, yeah, or what and, have you. So and I think the league in general yeah. does a better bar- job of marketing, too. And, and, and we talked about this um, in, our, in our 20 Years Later NBA episode that there was, there was this reckoning that everybody knew was going to happen. We were, there was talk about it in 1996 that when these dudes retire, who are next in the line? Who are these next guys that are going to step up? And a lot of those guys, for whatever reasons, had transgressions. They didn't quite fit. You know, there was guys like a Chris Webber type that, like, they didn't do anything maybe wrong, but they weren't ready to become those next superstars. It was Allen Iverson who obviously looked at, you know, and, and, and people had a certain thought about him or whatever i think there was we, we read we read quotes in the sports illustrates in 1996 where people were like well when when ewing and jordan and barkley and all these guys retire who are these next guys that are going to take over and are these guys ready to take over and we knew and and there were questions at the time that they weren't ready to take over i don't know who those next guys are for the nba but i think that they are are, are doing a much better job of marketing themselves and marketing more than just a few guys right now i mean there are numerous guys at the nba markets to the fullest so if it's a Joel Embiid type that becomes the guy, if it, 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 if it's a Ben, you know, I don't know who the next guy is. We don't know who that is, but like, I think they do such right. a good job right. of marketing their younger players now, whereas that time they didn't. And, and it could have just been a circumstance too in the nineties where, like we said, there's nobody was really ready to take that mantle. And there was so many different issues with those guys that were coming up that, that, that they, there was nobody ready to kind of take it over. There was Kobe was kind of weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, nobody really wanted Kobe to be the face of the NBA for, for a multitude of reasons. Allen Iverson became the face, but that became a problem for some people. So it, it's really interesting. But like, yeah, we knew that at the time. Like we were reading articles that people are saying that. I don't know that anybody's saying that now. You know, maybe they will in a few years, but I think they made such a better job of marketing now that, that I don't think that's going to be an issue. Yeah, there there was a lot going on culturally in '98 that beyond Jordan retirement, which was obviously the biggest factor. There was there was a lot going on that I think led to the inevitable downturn. I mean, it had been basically you know boom for 20 years or, or 15 years or what have you that there it inevitably was going to be going down. Where I think this seems like. You know, yeah, there'll be a, there'll be a, a dip, obviously, once LeBron is gone and once the Warriors are, you know, are, are done. Obviously, that there, this is a, you know, a a, a big up upswing. But I, I think they're better prepared to you know, handle. You know, we'll we'll see, obviously, how uh, things go. But yeah, uh, yeah, some interesting history going on, of course, with these uh, finals. I think this brought up a lot of uh, fun things to talk about. I'm uh, glad we got to do this. Yeah, this was really fun. Uh, this is uh, yeah, our. Uh, our season's just beginning now, and you know, not not really, but sort of. I mean, we're, we got some good yeah. stuff planned for the uh, summer, though. So we always we yeah. always do it big in the summer. That's our time to kind of shine on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast world. Everybody else kind of takes a break or talks about free agency, and we uh, we we delve into some stuff. So it'll be pretty fun uh, to uh, to see what we're doing uh, here in a little bit. But yeah, yeah. we uh, we had some good yeah. stuff planned for you. Yeah, we're gonna try to dive it probably uh, mid July or so. We'll really ramp up with uh, that. So. Uh, hopefully everyone will uh, enjoy it. We'll uh, we'll give a, an official announcement about it later. We've, we've alluded to it on social media, but we'll uh, we'll we'll let it uh, we'll, we'll we'll announce it formally in the future. But anyway, yeah. so uh, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. You can uh, find us at the uh, step back at uh, fansided.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA, and you can also uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or pretty much anywhere you. Uh, listen to podcasts if you want to give us a rating and review that would be really appreciated so thanks for listening we're back again soon
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.